This episode is brought to you by The Eating Expedition. Isn't there something magical that happens when you eat a really good meal? Have you ever wanted to book a plane ticket to the vineyards in Tuscany after drinking an incredible Chianti wine? Or maybe you want to drive out to a factory to chat with the production manager and see how your favorite cheese is made. Here at The Eating Expedition, we take being a foodie up a notch. From farms to factories and food trucks to fine dining, we let firsthand experiences guide our conversations with folks in the food world. Ready to eat your way through Northern Italy? Join Morgan and seven other adventurers from September 7th to 17th, 2022, as they experience the cuisine and food culture of Northern Italy. Head to theeatingexpedition.com for more trip details. Welcome to the Weight Inclusive Innovators Podcast. My name is Hannah Turnbull. And I'm Morgan Sinclair. We're two non-diet dietitians, entrepreneurs, and Enneagram 7s here to talk shop about the business side of things. From managing a team of clinicians to building a cohesive brand to figuring out how the heck to pay yourself, we get deep down in it talking about what it actually takes to start, run, and grow your weight-inclusive business, the good and the messy. We know your degree didn't include any business classes, at least not any applicable to what you're doing now as an entrepreneur. This is why we are on a mission to bring business education to other weight-inclusive clinicians. Say sayonara to all the hours spent on Google and hello to information that is actually relevant. Let's dive in to today's episode. Hey there, Weight Inclusive Innovators. Welcome back to the pod. I am flying solo this week. Hannah is spending some time in the Upper Peninsula, which for those who don't know, because I definitely didn't know, is in Michigan, and she is up there without any service or Wi-Fi. Part of me is insanely jealous because that sounds fabulous. She sent me a few pictures and it just looks absolutely gorgeous. Part of me doesn't think I do very well in a space with no service or Wi-Fi though. So I am thankful to be sitting in my studio with service, with Wi-Fi and recording this episode by myself. Definitely miss her like I always do when I solo record, but I am excited to be bringing you this education today. So today I am going to be chatting about the basics of creating either an online course or online webinar education and just some things to think through if you have been curious about creating online education materials. I am in the midst of doing this myself for the Weight Inclusive Business Academy, but have previously launched a course before that is no longer available. It was the OG beta round of the Weight Inclusive Business Academy. I have since switched things up a bit. And so I'm working on rewriting scripts, re-recording information, laying everything out differently. But I've also supported quite a few clinicians in creating online education, as well as just being a sounding board for them to think through if this is something that they really wanted to do. There is absolutely no doubt that there's been an increase in online education, especially over the last few years when so much has moved virtually. And there's a lot of different reasons that I've heard of why people are wanting to create online education. The two main ones that I hear, though, are people are really sick of repeating themselves over and over and over again as eating disorder clinicians we, you know, every case is different. All of our clients have something different that they're bringing into the office with them. But also there is some level of repetitive education and information 
within these sessions of, you know, what are the 10 principles of intuitive eating? What, what are coping skills that you can use? How can you support yourself whenever your family goes on vacation? Things like that. And a lot of the times clinicians just get really sick of repeating themselves over and over again. I know Hannah's experienced this with some insurance pieces. Not that she's sick of meeting with people, but that she kind of has this framework of how to navigate insurance. I know that she's working on creating a course for that as well. And then same for myself within business coaching. Uh, one of the reasons that we have this podcast, I, you know, and I've talked with people many times about creating online education, creating online courses. And so now this is kind of like a free course for you on how to go about it. And so that's usually one why that I hear is that people are sick of repeating themselves. And so uh, they love the idea of being able to record what they know and just be able to sell that and only have to repeat themselves that one time. And then many people can listen to it. The second why that I hear is that people are wanting to create passive income. This is an interesting one for me because whenever I first dove into creating online education, I very much wanted passive income. I mean, who doesn't love the idea of being able to like spend some time creating something and make money while you sleep because people can purchase this, you know, while you're on holiday or while you're taking time off or while you're sleeping or while you're seeing clients. It's such a dreamy idea. It is also a little bit of a myth that it's that easy. I definitely fell into that myth and I was like, oh my God, let me just create this. And then like, I'll be able to make so much money through passive income. You are still going to have to spend quite a bit of time, first and foremost, establishing yourself as someone who is knowledgeable on what you're teaching. You're also going to have to set up systems in the beginning in order to support this idea of passive income and have people go through this workflow without needing to talk to you first or without you needing to be present. And you're going to have to continue to market it. And there's multiple ways to do that, which we'll dive into in this episode. So while, yes, the idea of passive income is super dreamy, There is a lot of work that goes into this and it's not just a willy nilly, let me create something, throw it up online and make millions of dollars, not even millions, make hundreds of dollars. It just doesn't work that way. Unfortunately, you do have to have an an audience that you're going to sell to and that's going to take some work as well. So get really curious about why you are doing this. Um, You know, I think all of us as clinicians have good intentions behind it of wanting to reach more people, provide more access to care. I think that can be a really great one. If people can't afford one-on-one work with you, uh, they can have, you can have, you can offer a like mid-tier item, like a course or online education or lessons or um, any sort of like download online for people to access you and your knowledge at a lower price point. And I think that's really great. I think if you're sick of repeating yourself, totally get it. Makes sense. Great reason to start a great reason to create online education. If you're wanting to dabble in passive income, I think it's a really great idea as well with the caveat that like this is going to be work. You're not just going to instantly make a bunch of money overnight. And if you're wanting to create more access to uh, eating disorder knowledge, eating disorder knowledge is a little tricky. There's some ethics that come into play with that, but just anti-diet, weight-inclusive, 
haze aligned information like that, creating online education is a really great way to do that. There are two main ways that you can offer online education. Really, this is going to be, aside from figuring out your why and kind of like what you want to talk about, this is going to kind of put you into two different paths of how you're going to go about creating the online education. So the first way to launch online education is through a live launch. This means that you are creating online education that you're going to sell through a, that you're going to sell over a short period of time. Language that you've probably heard around this are doors are closing soon. We only open this course twice a year. This course won't be available again this year. So, so don't wait, make sure you purchase it now. They're almost using time as a kind of like pressure point to lock people into their course. So there are some pros and cons that come with doing a live launch. Some of the pros is that whenever you like open up your course and close your course and you lock in those people, they're getting to go through this course together. They have like a built-in accountability, built-in friendships that you have the ability to now connect all of these people because they are essentially starting and finishing your course in the same time period. And so within that, you're creating this community. You're creating a group of people that can show up to your presentations, to your recordings, to your live Q and A's, and they can start building a community and ask each other questions. And everyone's going along this journey at the same time. And so there just is a lot of accountability and a lot of, you know, good, happy feelings of being able to do this with someone else. It creates a community that's online. And this is also a really happy medium between an evergreen course, which is what we're going to talk about next, and having a full-on membership site. So usually with full membership sites, you are having to show up online a lot, and you're having to engage your members a lot. Whereas with a live launch, it's typically more like this program is going to be running for four weeks, six weeks, eight weeks. And so you know that you're just going to have to dedicate your time and energy to the to the dedicated time that you've shared of how long your course is going to be. The cons of doing a live launch is that you as the business owner are probably going to be exhausted from doing this because you're going to have to market this live launch really hard for a set period of time. And then you're going to have to show up for a handful of weeks, however long you've decided that your course is going to run for. This is going to require a lot more time on your end. And it kind of takes away the passive income piece of this. There's definitely still something to say about getting a group of people together. They're all paying a set amount. You know how much money you're going to make because they are literally paying for it up front. But it does require you to be quite present. So if time is a resource, time and energy are resources that you don't have a lot of, live launching is probably not going to be the best option for you. The other way that you can launch a course is through an evergreen course. And so an evergreen course is where you get to do all the work up front, develop this course, and then put it out into the world and have it be available to purchase at all times. So you would create this, you'd put it out there and you'd have a link that people could go to and purchase it. It doesn't require that. It doesn't require you to open and close doors. It doesn't require you to have to show up consistently and kind of push this sell, push this course. 
And this is going to be quite a bit more passive because you're going to spend a lot of time up front actually developing the content, recording the content, putting it all together. But once the content's done, you can put it up there. And then really all you have left to do is market the course. You're not having to actually create more content. And so it's live, it's it's up there. Um, it does require work up front, but then it's kind of like a one and done, and then you still have to market it. But at least you don't have to create any more content. There are also pros and cons that come with doing an evergreen course. The pros of an evergreen course are what I just mentioned. It is going to be a little bit more passive. You're going to be able to create it, put it on a website or host it somewhere and allow people to purchase it as they come across it. You're not going to have to do this really hard sell. Another pro is that you could still offer hours that are like a Q&A type setting. If that's something that's really important to your audience of getting to have some one-on-one time with you or getting to connect with others, there is still space for you to offer a Q&A and it can just be like a bonus. So maybe like the second Tuesday of every month, um, if you've purchased the course in the last six months, they have access to you in order to ask questions, connect with others, things like that. There are some cons with an evergreen course You're going to have to still be tech support. People are going to have questions all the time that you're going to have to answer. So unless you have a virtual assistant, you're going to be the one answering all these questions. You never know when questions are going to come your way because people can literally purchase this at all times. Another con of an evergreen course is you're not getting live feedback in order to make changes as it goes. If you're doing a live launch and you're, you know, opening and closing it and your course is four weeks long, at the end of those four weeks, you're going to be able to get feedback and you'll be able to make changes for the next time that you open it. With an evergreen course, like, yes, you'll still be getting feedback, but it's going to be way more scattered and you're going to have to be in charge of deciding like if you want to pause it to update the information, to make any changes once you start getting that feedback. You could definitely still do a beta round with an evergreen course, meaning that you would hand select a few people or have people apply and pay like a discounted rate um, or your full rate for your evergreen course and get feedback from it and then be able to make changes based on their feedback and then launch the actual evergreen course. But if you're just going to be doing the evergreen course, you're going to be missing out on that kind of like natural stop and start to be able to edit, make adjustments in between because the course is always going to be live and available. That's where I would start with choosing whether you want to do live launches or an evergreen course and figure out which of those feels best for you and the type of information that you're wanting to offer. Once you've decided that First and foremost, you want to provide online education. Uh, You are not giving into the myth that this is going to be like easy peasy, lemon squeezy. Let's just create some things and throw it online. And then you also know whether you want to do live launches or evergreen courses, then comes the tools that you're going to need in order to develop this and market this. I'm going to go through different platforms um, and kind of different categories that you'll need to think about when it comes to course creation. There's, There's probably a million different ways for people to do this. If you've created an online course and it looks different than what I'm about to show, please let me know. I'd love to know other ways to do this. This is what I usually recommend to people. This is how I record my own courses. These are all of the different tools that I use. So I'm speaking from personal experience. And if anything, this will give you at least a starting point, and then you can take it and tweak it and use tools that maybe you're familiar with and I'm not uh, to be able to make this the best 
process as the best process that it can be for you and the course that you are developing. So a course is not a course without a script. And so I uh, honestly use Google Docs for just about everything in my life. And this is no different than whenever I'm writing out a script. And so I have a Google Doc for every course or every lesson that I am making. It allows me to kind of do brain dumps. I have Google Docs on my phone as well. So if I'm out and about and I have an idea Um, Or if I had a conversation with someone and I'm wanting to like jot down a quick note, I'm able to access Google Docs on my phone in order to put that idea somewhere that I, that I won't forget it. And so I usually write out my whole script on Google Docs and then review that script multiple times, get familiar with it and kind of ingrain some of it into my brain before I record. Once you have a script, you're going to want some sort of visual whenever you are talking with people. You're going to want to think of your auditory learners, your visual learners, and your kinesthetic learners, and make sure that you are creating materials that are attractive to all of those different types. So usually this involves creating slides of some sort that is a condensed version of your script. General rule of thumb with all uh, slideshow development, with all slide development, make sure you don't have too many words, make sure you're using appropriate visuals, make sure it doesn't look too cluttered and crowded because you're also going to want them to listen to you talk as well. And then I also like to include workbooks whenever I publish online education. This is a great way to hold people's attention. Many of us have very short attention spans. And so if you're able to provide a workbook that people can fill in things or keep track of as they go through your course, I think that's a really helpful asset to have, and it'll keep people more engaged. I I create workbooks in two different ways. I create one in Canva. This is going to be a more branded workbook, and it's going to be saved as a PDF, something that they can print. I don't make my PDFs fillable. You could totally do that too. But I also offer the workbook in Google Doc format because I know if someone is watching the webinar on their laptop, they might want to type out their answers as we're going through the different courses in education. So you have your script, creating your slides. I usually use Canva as well. In order to create slides, you can also use Google Slides. And then creating a workbook, I do Canva and Google Docs. Once you have all of those created, it's time to actually hit record. You're going to want to record your video, but I would also suggest saving it as an audio file as well. That way, if someone is driving, they can listen to it almost like a podcast. Where I record my videos is a Google Chrome extension called Loom, L-O-O-M, not to be confused with Zoom with a Z, though Zoom is also a very acceptable platform to record. I prefer Loom because I create my slides in Canva or transfer them into Google Slides. And with it being a Chrome extension, it puts a little circle of my face down in the bottom left corner. You can kind of move that wherever you want. I have just found it to be a really easy to use tool whenever I am recording any sort of online education. Zoom is also great. You can share your screen, present your slides There's some other settings within Zoom to make sure that like you are still, you can still be seen somewhere on the screen. My general rule of thumb is make sure you show your face at some point in the recording. 
we're humans. We want to be connected with people, especially if they're giving us education and teaching us. You can start it off with you being full screen, talking to the audience, and then switch over to the slides where your face isn't there. I prefer to have slides and my face down in the bottom corner at all times. I didn't do that in my first iteration of the Weight Inclusive Business Academy. I just did audio because it seemed way easier to be able to like read my script just with audio and not me actually having to learn my script. And so you wouldn't be able to see me actually like reading through my script. That was feedback that I got that people really wanted to see my face and see my facial expressions. And they, you know, could hear the energy through what I was talking about, but they thought it would just make the world of a difference if they could also see me presenting to them. And it felt more like a education session as opposed to just a podcast. So once you record, you have your video, you have your actual recording of the course of the lesson of the webinar, whatever it is that you're recording And now you need to host it somewhere. There are three platforms that I have heard of. I have only ever used two of them. So the first one is Podia, P-O-D-I-A. This is where I actually host all of my education. Uh, This is where I host my lead magnets, my freebies, my giveaways. I just keep it all in Podia. It's connected to Stripe. That's how I get paid whenever someone purchases it. There's some really great integrations into the email marketing software that I use. It all just works really nicely with the systems that I have. I also find it to be really aesthetic and really user-friendly for people who are purchasing from me. The second host that I have used is Teachable. I find this to be a little less intuitive than Podia, but I know some people love it. And so just going to throw this out there as another recommendation. With Teachable, the landing pages and the course pages are really nice and really easy and intuitive that way to build out. Podia is a little more clunky, but I also link everything to my own personal website. So it's really whatever tech feels easiest to you. And then the third option is Kajabi. And I've actually never used Kajabi. Kajabi is quite expensive, but you can do email marketing, course hosting, I think web development all within it. And so if you just want a one-stop shop to have everything in one spot, Kajabi might be something to look into. I think with Podia and Teachable, it's going to be a little bit less, but regardless of which host you use, there's likely going to be either a monthly or an annual fee associated with it. That's really the basics of the tools in order to build out your online education, build out your course. So writing your script, creating slides, creating a workbook, actually recording it, and then getting it up onto a host in order for people to be able to purchase it. However, it doesn't stop there. We have to talk about the time before you record your course and the time after you record your course in terms of marketing your course, because you can create the best course in the whole wide world. But if you don't have an audience that trusts you, knows you, knows that you know your shit, no one's going to purchase your course. And then it's a waste of time that you created the course anyway. So there's three main pieces that I use for marketing. Again, personal experience. This is what I use. This is what I have found to be successful. I don't think you need all three of these, but I'm going to go over them just in case. First and foremost is an email list. This is the one marketing tool that I think is a non-negotiable. 
Where I differ is that a lot of the times you'll hear like, oh, you need to like constantly be building your list out in order to have a big list that you can sell to. I don't think you need a big list. I think you just need to have a list that's dedicated and engaged. I like the idea of having a smaller list that people are more bought in than a big list where you don't really get a return on investment with it. Also within the email list, regardless of how big it is, you're going to have to nurture them. You can't just like get their email one day and then like three months later when your course is ready, be like, oh, by the way, I created this course. Here you go. Go purchase it from me. The people on your email list want to know that you know what you're talking about. They want to view you as a specialist, as an expert. I have some weird thoughts about using the word expert, but if you're selling a course, it's probably because like, you know, your shit about this. And so people want to know that, you know, your shit, and you're going to have to do that by providing them additional education, additional knowledge, keep connecting with them. I really like emails because unlike social media, you don't have to fight an algorithm with emails. You can literally send an email and it's going to pop up in their inbox, whether they choose to open it, there's a bunch of marketing strategies about, you know, writing an effective subject line, things like that. But you don't have to fight an algorithm. And that already feels so much better to me that if someone's on my email list, it's because they have purchased something from me before they've downloaded one of my freebies. They're already bought into the idea that I'm able to provide business education or that you'd be able to provide XYZ, whatever your course is about education. And you are able to show up directly in their inbox and create this like direct one-on-one communication with them. So first way to market your course is through an email list. This is going to start way before you ever even publish your e- publish your course. This needs to start like now. Like if you're thinking about publishing a course within the next year or so, I would start working on building your email list now to start building up that audience. The second way to market your course or your online education is social media. I put this on here because I love Instagram. I love doing IG lives, creating graphics, things like that. If that is not your jam, don't do it. Because truthfully, social media does not convert very well. Email marketing converts way higher than social media marketing. As I mentioned, you don't have to fight an algorithm with email marketing. With social media, you have no clue who's seeing your post. And so this definitely doesn't convert as well, but it is one more tool that people can go to, to see that like, you know what you're talking about. So if you're creating graphics, if you're getting on there and stories and they're getting to know you personally, and they're able to put like a human with who's selling this education, that is a good marketing tool. It's just not going to convert to course sales as high as something like email marketing. And then my last place that I market is creating a landing page on my website. As we talked about earlier, you're likely going to be hosting your course through platforms like Podia, Teachable, Kajabi, but there's also a lot of value in putting a link or copying code into your website that allows them to purchase it on your website. People are likely already going to your website if they're your ideal client or they're looking for you. You can put your website in your social media bios. A URL is really easy to send out to people. And so if they're able to go and poke around on your website and learn more about you and what all you have to offer, just one more spot that they can find your course and what you are selling. Course creation is not for everyone. I think there is this idea out in the ether that... 
creating a course is really easy, a bunch of passive income. You can make a bunch of money while you sleep. And that is so far from the truth. So I hope this has given you a little bit of insight into uh, where to start. If you're thinking about creating online education, if this still feels right, knowing that you are going to have to put some work into this, but I hope you're really able to leave this episode reflecting on why you're wanting to create this online education, whether or not you're wanting to do a live launch or an evergreen course, as well as having a starting point for the tools that you need in order to bring an online course to life, as well as a timeline that comes with marketing and having to build up that audience first before you ever hit publish on your course. If you have more questions about course creation, it is an intensive that I offer. We can definitely do some business coaching around it. Happy to jump on a business coaching call in order to just hash through some more online course basics, getting a little bit more advanced, talking about lead magnets, marketing strategies, and all of the nitty gritty. But that's all I've got for you today. Thanks so much for listening to the Weight Inclusive Innovators podcast. If you liked what you hear, go ahead and subscribe to the pod on Apple iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Please be sure to leave us a rating and review. Share this with a business bestie and check out our website at weightinclusiveinnovators.com. We'll see you next week.